הריני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שדורנו, לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר קדוש המשר בארץ המה. ובבחד רבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם נחה נובע מכוח חוכמה רבנו נחמן ופגם את שמחה. נא נח נחמן נחמן נאומן זכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן. So ברוך השם, we in the last podcast, uh, in part 2 of סעיף uh, 15, of section 15 of We uh, discussed how Rabbeinu walked into the land of Israel and uh, made his first four steps. And how Rabbeinu said that he attained everything he wanted to attain in those four steps. And that's where we left off. And we're in the final part of Seif Tedvav before we hop into section uh, 16 and finish off section 16, B'zrat Hashem, today. So in the last part of section 15, it says, And after midday, when Rabbeinu stepped in the land of Israel, after midday, and obviously he's in, in, in Haifa at this point, because that's where he, he, uh, he entered the land. After midday, they went to the Migveh, and then afterwards they went to the Bet Knesset, to the Shul. And they remained there until the night, until after the prayers at night, until after the evening prayers. And when Rabbeinu, may his memory be a blessing, went back to his house that night, to his lodgings. He had such a tremendous joy, such an awesome and intense uh, happiness. And every single moment, he told his attendant, Happy are you that you merited this, that you merited to be with me here. And we're going to see that this happens, Rabbeinu says this many times, we're going to see specifically he says this again whenever Rabbeinu goes to Meron, to the cave of Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai in the, in the northern parts of Israel next to Tzfat. When uh, Rabbeinu goes there, um, as he enters the cave of Rabbi Shimon, there's a pretty tremendous and a pretty secret story that uh, Rabbi Avraham Sternhardt uh, wrote in Aramaic a story that uh, that explains how Rabenu spoke to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the cave. A very deep story, uh, a story that uh, only in the right time could be shared because Be'emet it was written in Aramaic by the grandson of Rabbi Natan um, to protect uh, this story from people from getting in uh, in the wrong hands. Because Mamash, it's a very big miracle. It's a tremendous story that uh, not a lot of people know. Um, but nonetheless, Rabenu tells his attendant the same thing over there in the cave. Happy are you that you merited to be with me here. Nonetheless, he continues. And Rabenu commanded his attendant to read to him and to mention before him all the, um, the notes, the missives that each and every person who was with him, all of his students basically gave to him all those names that are mentioned on these notes. Meaning, Rabbeinu said, bring me all the notes of all those people that are, um, that are attached to us, that gave us slips with their names on it. Basically, Rabbeinu saying, give me all the notes of all our students, of all my students, so that I can pray for them and do all the things that I need to do. And they ate in their lodgings the meal of the nighttime uh, meal of Rosh Hashanah. And everything was with great joy. Until the point where they finished the meal and then they went to lie down there to sleep. 
everything was done with tremendous happiness. In the morning, they went to the shul to pray the morning prayers. And after um, they came from the Beit Knesset, after they came back from the shul after praying, Rabban was awakened with a tremendous worry and a broken heart that is impossible to describe. And for the rest of the entire holiday, Rabbeinu did not speak a single thing to any single person. Rabbeinu was silent. We see how Rabbeinu's mood completely shifted. And this is something that's actually pretty common. Um, as we see throughout Chaye Moran, Rabbeinu's biography, the Rabbi Natan wrote, that Rabbeinu used to go through many mood shifts. Not that Rabbeinu wasn't happy. Rabbeinu said, people get confused in thinking that I'm not happy because they see my mood. He writes in Chaye Moran, he says, but do not think for one second that I'm not happy because I'm tremendously happy. I'm always happy. The difference is though I need to keep a very serious face because what I'm doing with it are rectifications that are impossible to describe. Rabbanu said it's like I'm going through a forest and cutting down trees that have been growing for thousands of years. And because of this, I'm forced to keep a very serious face. So Rabbanu told all the students, he said, do not learn Simcha from me, learn from Rabbi Natan because you must keep a buoyant face at all times. But it was always a thing, it was always known that when Rabenu had to attain any perception and go to the next level, it was always preceded by a broken heart. And don't think that broken heartedness is depression. God forbid to say such a thing. Because we know in Sichot Aran, look in, um, in 41, 42 I believe, 45 maybe, also it speaks about there in that section. In between 40 to 50 of Sichot Aran, of Rabbi Nachman's conversations, um, those sections... Um, speak about the difference between brokenheartedness and depression. How brokenheartedness is very depression, uh, very uh, precious before Hashem. So Rabenu was always pre- preceding his growth by a broken by a broken heart, because we know this concept that Rabenu teaches us that before an ascent must come a descent first. You must first descend before you ascend. So before, because Rabenu was constantly going from level to level, he needed to descend into brokenheartedness before he attained that perception that he needed to do. And because Rabenu was never remaining on the same level for any single day of his life, this was something common for him. So we can't really understand it because it's very difficult for us to make movements, to move up and to move up from level to level so quickly. But Rabenu was doing this in ways we can't even imagine. So Rabenu didn't speak a single thing with anyone after the Rosh Hashanah. After the, the night meal, he went to bed. And when he woke up, from that point on, after the tefillah, he didn't speak with any single person. He didn't speak a single word. And we hop into section 16. And immediately after Rosh Hashanah, look how unbelievable the shift in, in uh, the, sh- the changes. Immediately after Rosh Hashanah, the whole day of Rosh Hashanah, it was Rabenu's desire to immediately return back to his home in, in uh, Ukraine. Rabenu did not want to travel at all whatsoever to any single place in the land of Israel. Not to Tzfat. Not to Tzveria. But Rabenu's attendant had a tremendous yearning a strong yearning to feast his eyes in the, uh, on the beautiful places of the land of Israel. To go visit all the scenes and all the, the places, the cities, the kvarim, the, the, the burial places of all the tzaddikim in Israel. And the attendant of Rabbeinu came to him. 
That there's a caravan traveling to Tiberia, and that he told Rabbanu we should go with him. Look at how amazing it it is that we never hear of such things that when a Rebbe is stuck on something, that the student says let's do something different. But this was the way of Rabbanu. We see that Rabbanu is a very unique figure. In the sense that Rabenu never was stuck on one thing. He was never closed-minded to the point where it was his way or the highway. Rabenu was very, very simple in that, okay, someone else wants to do something else. As long as it's not something bad, God forbid, it's fine, let's do it. You know, we see this many, many times in many different stories. Rabenu allowed his students to do things that he wanted to do the opposite. He was never stuck on one thing. He was never um, strict with this, with this idea. And uh, he was always very tolerant. <coughs> and he responded to the, his attendant, who made this claim, who told Rabbeinu, let's go to Tveria. Rabbeinu told the attendant, if you have yearnings for Tveria, go hire or rent a, a donkey. Go rent donkeys and we'll go. The man immediately went and did this. And he gave these people, who were renting the donkeys, a deposit. And as the attendant returned back to the lodgings where Rabbanu was staying, where they were staying, as he returned from the stables, he immediately, Rabbanu immediately told his attendant, Did you rent the donkeys? And the man responded, Yes. Rabbanu responded back to him, Immediately, right now, this second, Go back, Go get back the deposit. Look how unbelievable it is. Look how there's so many shifts. Go immediately get back to the deposit. And if they do not want to return it back to you, then forget about it. Forget the deposit. You lost your money. But, it, we're, but try to get back to the deposit because we're not going. Because Rabbanu said, I do not want to go there anymore. I'm done. I'm not going. And we're going to see why. And after two or three hours, this attendant, this man, the man traveling with Rabbeinu, his attendant, his loyal attendant, he fell into a great, tremendous weakness, a sickness. May God spare us. And then the attendant, after he fell sick, gave tremendous praise and gratitude to Hashem that God somehow prevented him from uh, and prevented them from traveling on this on this uh, caravan, and Rabenu saw it coming. Therefore, he said, "We're not traveling." Um, and he told it, it his attendant with a strong and firm hand, in order to prevent him from traveling, because to really protect his attendant from falling sick on the road, which would have been much worse and much more deadly um, than staying put in the lodgings. So we see this uh, this amazing ruach hakodesh of Rabenu. Um, with regard to this uh, story. But we see this inyan, how Rabbeinu Be'emet, he was never strict on anything. There's a beautiful story brought down in Koch Ve'or, by Rabbi Avram Rav Nachman, in which uh, they tell a story about how Rabbeinu used to, um, was traveling once with a student, Rabbi Chaikil. And he, uh, he told Rabbi Chaikil, one of his students, Rabbi Chaikil Chazan, he was, uh, Rabbeinu wanted Rabbi Chaikil to, to have his full job, to be a, a uh, a chazan, a person who sings before the uh, the congregation. So he, uh, Rabbeinu said about Rabbi Chaikel that he knew the shogesh, 
of uh, of song. He he had a tremendous power of song that he knew uh, tremendous secrets with regard to melodies. And um, Rabbi Chaykel was a tremendous chazan. Nonetheless, this was a close student of Rabbi and They were traveling on the road and they were traveling throughout the country. And uh, they came across a house of one of Rabbi followers. And Rabbi Chaykel said, Rabbi let's stop by this person's house to, to see him. And this man was obviously very poor, dilapidated, dilapidated, hot even. They were covering themselves in uh, in uh, very poor fabric. They had no no benches, nothing. There was room in the house, nothing in the house. And uh, they used to sit down there, the family members, the husband, the wife, the kids used to sit down there and pray all day. Tremendous uh, sad, sad inyan. So Rabbi Chaykel said, Rabbi, let's go visit Let's go visit my chaver, your student. Rabbeinu said, okay. And as they're entering the house, they see this poor state of the student. And Rabbi Chaykel comes to Rabbeinu and says, Rabbeinu, give him bracha for parnasah. Look at him. Look how bad the state is. Rabbeinu responds, I have nothing to give to him. I have nothing to give to him. Rabbi Chaykel said, what do you mean you have nothing to give, give to him? Look at him. And Rabbeinu again responds, I have nothing to give to him. So Rabbi Chaykel says, Rabbeinu, then do you allow me to give bracha? Rabbeinu said, I'm not, I'm not stopping you. Do whatever you want. Rabbi Chaykel went, took some water in a bucket, and went to the back of the house and started saying, Shefa la tzafon, Shefa la darom, Shefa la mizrach, Shefa la ma'arav. Abundance to the north, south, east, and west. And he left the house and uh, immediately after the bracha, Rabbi Chaykel gives the student. The student gets very rich and wealthy. And he starts doing business and all these things. And his state turns from impoverishment to tremendous success. And um, the student, as he's getting more money, he's going to the marketplace. And uh, Rabenu's house in, in Breslau at the time was facing the marketplace. Wasn't too far from the marketplace. And uh, the student went on the day of the marketplace in Uman. The day where the shuk was open in Uman. And he went there. And... Uh, Rabenu looks at his window and he sees this student that he had seen a few months ba- uh, back. And um, he calls the student, says, come to my house. Um, he calls him up. The student goes to the house of Rabenu and he finds the door locked. And he keeps knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. Until the point where there's, uh, what do you call it? Until nobody's answering. And he starts knocking to the point where he starts like crying. Starts being a... Uh, awakened to, to open up the door to see the Rebbe. And Rabbeinu opened up the door and he says, when you come to me, you have to knock. You have to, you have to cry. It's not something that uh, you can come in easily. You have to knock and knock and knock and knock and you have to beg. To come to the tzaddik is not easy. They go upstairs. Rabbeinu calls Rabbi Chaykel into the room and he says, Rabbi Chaykel, you see what you did? Look at this man. He was spending the entire day in tefillah and now look at him, he's going to business forgetting about uh, what the true purpose of this world is. Rabbeinu looks at the man and he says, today, did you look at the sky? And the man responds, no. And uh, Rabbi Chaykel understood at that point the mistake that he had made. That really, Be'emet, this man, the second he got wealthy, he forgot about what the true purpose was. He forgot almost about Hashem. And uh, Rabbeinu was coming to teach this man that really the main thing is to serve Hashem Itbar. And uh, Rabbi Chaykel understood. The point of the story is, uh, along with the many pieces of advice here, is uh, pretty amazing. Aside from the famous Inyan that Rabbeinu says, Today did we look at the heavens, meaning every single day we have to go and re- look up and to, to really just 
Look up to the sky and start yearning for Hashem Yidbach. This is the avodah, the service of every single Jew, to long for God every single day, even from the distant places in which we are in. That no matter where we are, we still have to yearn for Hashem. But Rabbeinu is teaching us, Rabbeinu is teaching us this. It's never good to be too strict on anything. It's good to be tolerant. Yes, of course, it's, if it's, if you, not to, to fall down to evil, God forbid. But the student of Rabbeinu was uh, strict on one thing, giving him bracha, and Rabbeinu didn't stop him. We see our Rabbeinu, this inyan of the Rebbe, it's very unique, it's very, it's very different. A lot of other Rabbanim, most other people, most tzaddikim, were very strict, were very makpid, were very, uh, you know what I mean, were very, very uh, strong about what they wanted to do. And um, to the point where if it wasn't their way, uh, you know what I mean, he wasn't doing it. Rabban was very different. We see how the student, Rabban was ready to leave right after Rosh Hashanah. The student says, let's go to Tzariah. Rabban says, okay. It's never good to be too, uh, too strict. And uh, this is a very big piece of advice coming from one of the biggest tzaddikim. If not the biggest tzaddik, Baruch Hashem Rabban Wakadosh, who's coming to teach us uh, this inyan. So Bezrat Hashem, the bigger we get, the more we have to be better with people, the more shalom we have to have, and the less we have to be more makpid on our own honor. The more, the less we have to be so strict about our own honor and uh, dignity. So, Bezrat Hashem, may we apply this advice, and uh, God willing, next podcast we start with section Seif 17.